Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Nashville, Tennessee, it's time for Regions Business Radio Nashville. Regions Business Radio Nashville is presented by Regions Bank. Brave the beginning. Member FDIC. Welcome to Regions Business Radio Nashville, presented by Regions Bank, member FDIC. I'm your host, Kelly Key, Executive Vice President with Regions, and we are broadcasting live from our Business Radio X studio set up inside the JW Marriott in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome again to everyone as, as we continue our podcast series centered around discussing key issues and topics related to the Nashville and Middle Tennessee markets. We'll have a couple of special guests with us today. First, we'll have Durham Pettigrew, who is a relationship manager with Regions Bank for the last eight years. Durham, as well as our other bankers, serve many different types of businesses across the Middle Tennessee area. But Durham has really found a niche and has become a very knowledgeable source for our bank and his customers, with especially in the early learning. Our second guest is Amy James, franchise owner of Primrose Schools, with two current facilities in operations today, with a third currently under construction to be opened in the near future. Durham, why don't we start with you? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to work at, uh, at Regents. Thanks, Kelly, and thanks, Amy, for being here. I have been in banking since I moved to Nashville in 2004 and have been in a handful of different roles since then, um, primarily in credit. Uh, that's where I spent a good good bit of time, and that's how I joined Regions, actually, as a portfolio manager. About, about two years after joining Regions, I had the opportunity to, to move over into a relationship manager role, and Regions was, was very supportive of that of that move. That's kind of where I wanted to end up since that's how I started in, in banking too. So I primarily serve a wide, diverse client type uh, in the Middle Tennessee area. So obviously Amy with, with Primrose Schools and then also to light manufacturing and then healthcare IT as well. So my primary role with the bank is to be a trusted advisor to to the respective client. A lot of that has to do with me being being able to help them structure credit requests, loan requests, whether that be for an equipment purchase or uh, for for a new location. And I know that Amy's is has recently gone through that. So we we spend a lot of time talking about finding a new location and and what all that would entail from a financing standpoint. But not just from a financing standpoint, but also with cash flow management too. So making sure that they know that they can come to me for those types of questions, but then also making sure they're aware that they have a lot of different resources within the bank, not not just in the commercial bank. And that can range from private wealth to treasury management. And obviously treasury management is going to, going to piggyback off of the cash flow piece too. So really making sure that they're aware that they have a handful of different partners within the bank. And I think that's one thing that, that Regions does well is we're, we're set up to help each other succeed. And, and we know that we've got a, a support from not just colleagues, but from, from a leadership level as well. You know, one thing we always ask all of our customers is, is why did you select the business that you're in and, and how did you get started? So I started at Primrose about 20 years ago this year. I began as a preschool teacher and just loved the job, loved the environment, loved everything about Primrose. My family has always been small business owners, so I always knew I wanted to set my own schedule and run my own business, uh, but I didn't know where that would lead me. So I went and had a, I worked in a gymnastics business, so I saw all the different preschools in our local area. And in doing that, I realized Primrose was the only 
the only real leader, the only place I really wanted to be. You know, they have such a great balanced learning philosophy. You know, it's not just about ABCs and numbers. It's about the whole child. You know, we educate children in all sorts of things, you know, social awareness, how to be kind to your friends, how to give back to your community, as well as all the the standard, you know, letters counting. You know, we set them up to succeed when they leave us so that when they go into the school system, they're going into the school system as these well-rounded, confident little individuals. It's amazing to see. You know, we see them from six weeks and we send them off into first grade. So we get to experience all of those major developmental milestones. So it's just, it's a great thing to be a part of. We've been with Regions for a long time, since our start, since 2008. We've been working with Regions. But prior to that, my family has been with Regions for probably 30 years by now. You know, we had one relationship manager that saw us through our second school. And when she retired, we were nervous because she'd always been our contact. But luckily, it hasn't skipped a beat. You know, she retired in what, 20, 2013, yeah, I 2013, think. 2013. Yeah. So, you know, we've got eight years after that that we haven't had any issues. So, you guys have always just been there with us, just really been our partner since we began this thing. And we opened our first school in 2010. So, it was like the depth, it was the, the bottom. You know, we opened right in the bottom. So, it was a partnership because back then, you know, there wasn't much learning going on. Yeah, so you had you opened your first school yeah. in, in Brentwood, mm-hmm. um, and and I remember those those days well. Yeah. Uh, second school, which was a non traditional kind of a school out on Charlotte Pike here in Nashville, mm-hmm. and then the third one, which will be down here just off of Eighth uh, Avenue, actually. So, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how those things have changed from the first school to the current school. I mean, if you think about Nashville mm-hmm. as a whole. You know, we're seeing literally hundreds of people, new people, coming into this area every day. Mm-hmm. And so how has that refined the way Primrose, or really any early learning uh, academy, would have would have operated? And, and how are those facilities keeping up with demand? It's changed a lot. Uh, when we opened in 2010, there wasn't this huge demand for child care. The demand was there, but it was a smaller kind of niche group of people. You know, it was double income. It was certain income level. It was all sorts of boxes you had to check. As Nashville has grown, which it has immensely since 2010, the need for childcare has just skyrocketed. We probably get 200 people a month calling us looking for care for any range of child, you know, six weeks all the way through pre-K. So many people moving every day from everywhere. You know, we hear California, we hear New York, a lot of people from Colorado. It's just a a huge hodgepodge of everyone kind of coming to Nashville. So I don't think the providers in Nashville are able to meet the need we have right now. But there's that second challenge of where do you put the school? And that's another kind of specific to Nashville challenge um, because real estate's hard. (laughs) It's hard because all those same investors want to come in and buy the real estate. So for our second school, we looked for probably like three years, which to us was so long. You know, we thought, oh gosh, we've been doing this forever. We're never going to find it. We found a school. 
you know, typically a primrose sits on two acres. This one sits on 0.59. <laughs> so it just kind of worked out to, to fit right on Charlotte. We got real lucky. It was a dentist office and they had had a child previously in primrose. So they liked the use, turned down developers and went with us. So that was lucky. Our third school, we've been looking for about five years. It's a challenging real estate market. You know, we looked at lease, we looked at purchase, we looked at reno, we looked at build up. I mean, we looked from the nations down to the Gulch, all the way down to Bellevue. You know, we looked everywhere. Same kind of situation arose, you know, a lot of other uses had tried and the owners just liked, liked the Primrose use. They, you know, the neighbors liked that we're Monday to Friday, we're not going to develop, we're not going to go up, we're not going to do things like that. So it just kind of worked perfectly for us to, to meld the need for childcare and then also be able to have the real estate. Yeah, that's certainly a challenge for really any business is finding uh, real estate to operate on, affordable real estate at that. So, so how many kids do you have enrolled now? And then what's this new school going to take you to? So right now we have probably about 500 children. We have about 250 and then about 270 at our other school. And then we're looking to add another 368. So it'll be one of the larger schools in the Primrose system. And it'll operate a lot differently just because of that size. But the need is just there. You know, we've had 250 inquiries so far. We haven't even opened up our enrollment. You know, people drive by it and say, oh, we're so glad you're coming to the neighborhood. You know, I work downtown or even Cool Springs. It's just such a good centrally located environment. So we lucked out. Now, thinking about some of the challenges that that really every company had in in 2020 and 2021 around around COVID, tell me a little bit about how that impacted the early learning centers and and particularly Primrose and and what changes have you had to make uh, in order to change, I guess, in order to serve the changing demand. Everybody, everything from, you know, people working at home to people working more flex time, that sort of thing. So I think those, these past couple of years brought challenges to everybody. Um, Childcare was not left out of that. Uh, we only ever really closed for about a month, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know, we had to be back at school because we serve a lot of essential workers. So a lot of doctors, a lot of anyone really who had to work can't really do that with a one-year-old at home. So it's very different than a fourth grader who will sit in their room and do their school you know, a one-year-old needs your constant attention. So we had to get back. Um, We had to make a lot of changes. Uh, Our hours have changed. You know, used to be preschools would be open 12, 12 hours, 13 hours. We're not able to do that anymore just because of a lot of different things, you know, quarantines, which we're still required to do um, just because children in our age bracket, you know, they're not able to get vaccinated yet. So we, you know, have to maintain the quarantines that everybody else has kind of been able to let go of just because they have that opportunity. And then just staffing has been a challenge uh, just due to COVID. I think it changed the work environment. You know, people were given all sorts of different options. So they're able to go and work from home. They're able to have these flexible hours. You know, a lot of people preferred part-time hours. So we've had to really kind of flip how we run our business. You know, typically in before COVID times, we have 15 classrooms. We'd have two teachers per classroom. And we'd hold maybe like one or two support people that would substitute as needed. 
we've had to really change that because not everybody wants to work five days. You know, not everybody wants to work a full eight hours. You know, some people just want to work 10 hours three times a week or, you know, a lot of people went back to school. A lot of people decided they were going to do all these different things, you know, in these past couple of years. So we've had to adapt and start working with the colleges, start working with all different kind of people to kind of fill the needs of our schools. Now, if you were going to give one piece of advice to to our business owners that are, are listening, um, what would that be as far as how to manage through these types of, of trials? I think you have to be adaptable. I started the school, I started owning a school in 2010. Um, and from 2010 to 2022, our employees have completely changed. You know, we used to Back in 2010, I was employing people of my generation, you know, people who I related to in a way that I could manage them easily because I knew what was important to them. And it's changed probably three or four times since then. You know, now we're managing people who, you know, could be my daughters and I don't know what's important to them. So I have to I have to assess that like each coming year, I have to assess What's the need? You know, is time important to them? Is money important to them? Appreciation events like yesterday, we went and did a service day. You know, we closed the schools for the day as we spent the morning out in the community doing service to all different, you know, animal shelters, uh, mother to mother, all different things like that. And that feeds their soul. You know, that makes them think this is the place I want to work. These people care about me. You know, we're, we're giving back to them. But we've had to change that probably 10 times over the past two years because, you know, the need and the want and what makes them feel worthy is, is different. So I think being adaptable is what you have to do. You know, you can't keep doing the same thing. Even though it worked for you in the past, you know, it doesn't now. So you have to be aware enough to know, okay, they don't care about the money. It's not the money. Let's find the other thing that feeds them. Yeah, so I would imagine, you know, it's a challenge, certainly keeping any employee, no matter which industry you happen to be in, especially here with, with all the growth that we have. But but how do you go about recruiting, hiring, and then trying to retain your teachers? I mean, what you talked a little bit about the service days, and those are great, but... But, I mean, are there anything specific that, that you would do that's maybe different from other primroses even? So the recruiting part is has also changed in the past few years. You know, it used to be we would post, we would get a million resumes, we would have our pick. It's not that way in Nashville right now. You know, it's much more of an employee's market than an employer's market. So even in the recruitment process, it's more us selling ourselves to them rather than the other way around. Uh, we don't email anymore, we text. Every candidate gets texts from us, you know, multiple, hey, can't wait to see you. Appointments at nine today. You know, nobody reads, if we email, we get zero return on investment. So we've had to adapt just how we're communicating with our applicants. And then when they come in, we've had to adjust pay, we've had to adjust benefits, Honestly, we have to adjust that per applicant. You know, we have to assess in this interview what is the important things to this applicant and how can we meet that need. So it's much more us wooing them than them auditioning for us. You know, we've had to really change that mindset. And then when we have hired them, 
you know, I've had to change. I've got a full-time trainer. I've got one one person on my team, a senior leader, and her entire job is to train our talent, you know, and then maintain that relationship with them through the whole time they work with us. I also have a hiring director. So I have one person who's one of my senior leaders that her whole job is to make them feel a part of the team. So from the time they send us their resume till the time they're complete with training, those two ladies, that's their sole focus. You know, in the past, we've never had that. But it's just gotten so overwhelming in the past couple of years that we've had to, you know, we had to take that off the plate of our directors because they weren't able to effectively manage their school while also trying to recruit and retain all the talent that we need. We hold about 100 staff members, so it's definitely a full-time job. Um, The retention piece is one we're working on. We have something at Primrose called a market-level business co-op which the Nashville market piloted, and we're one of the first markets to do so. Um, We pool our resources. So we have nine schools, seven owners. We all get together, and we pool 1% of our revenue. And then we talk about what do we want to use it for? Well, in Nashville, we don't need enrollment. You know, we have overwhelming amounts of children that need care. We need to spend our time recruiting and retaining our teachers. So we do all sorts of different things. In June, we're going to do a statewide training day. So we're going to bring in an inspirational speaker to speak to all these ladies and just make it a day where we can pour back into our staff. We bought a Bridgestone box because that was something that we felt like we could really use to reward our staff. You know, our employee of the month goes, our managers go, they're able to have a community with each other outside of work. So that's been really helpful. We're going to become sponsors of the Alzheimer's Walk, and our staff's all going to walk together. We're going to do T-shirts. You know, we brainstorm every quarter. What are the things coming up? Where do we feel our morale is? How do we feel like we can kind of pour into that? And then we all take it back to our schools. So it's been a great program. That's one positive of the pandemic was that Primrose as a whole kind of had to come together. We had to be a lot more cohesive than we've ever had to be in the past. You know, before it was okay for me and the Murfreesboro School to do completely different things. You know, we were different owners. It was fine. During the pandemic, we had to be a team. You know, we had to come together and we had to do things as a market. So that's one positive that came out of COVID because we were able to get cohesive and we feel like it's helpful for us to stay cohesive. This Thursday, we're having a sounds night for all the schools. So all of our families, all of our teachers, all of our staff will all come out and just build that community. So that's kind of the things we're putting into retainment, which is a huge piece of what we do every day. Yeah, so it sounds it's more like uh, you don't really treat these people as employees, but friends and family. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's probably... I mean, I would tell you that that's a lot of our success and retention as well. I mean, you know, I, I know all the people that I work with on a daily basis. I know their families. You know, I, I know what they like. I know what they don't like. And so really it, it comes down to having a relationship with, with your people, much like we do in the bank, much like we do with our customers. Um, I, I think the days of I'm with you eight to five and, and, you know, you go your way, I go mine. I think those are over. And you know, I think really a lot of Durham's success and a lot of success of Regions Bank is that that's that's not our philosophy. Uh, we really do take an interest in all of our customers and all of our associates, and I think that's one of the things that, that makes us different. 
So as you, as you think about your new school, going to have 360 kids. That'll put you close to 900 uh, in totality. So those teachers, are you looking, are you having trouble finding different talent? Are you pretty much getting the same people that you have at the other at the other locations because I mean over there they've been there 10 years in mm-hmm. a lot of cases and over here at Charlotte they've been there five plus years so are you seeing the same level of talent that's applying for these jobs today um, I think so so right now we're just looking at managers to move our school over and we're lucky because we have so much talent within our schools that we're able to grow all of our staff. That's a huge thing within my organization because obviously I started as a teacher. So I want all of my staff to know if they want to grow within our company, we will continue to grow with them, Um, which is a lot of the reason why we're doing a third school. You know, we have so many good people. If we don't promote them, we'll lose them. You know, they're not, we want to make sure that they know they can move upwardly. Um, But it's definitely a different vibe at each school. I would say each location has its culture. Um, It's different. It's funny because Susan and I are the owners, but each school has its own complete ecosystem of who they are and kind of how their school feels when you walk in the door. So I'm sure when we open this new school, we're going to have a totally different culture. We're just going to have to kind of see how, what they bring to it, you know? Yeah. It's interesting how you can blend all of those together. So so kind of even going looking at the future, uh, what's next for, for you, for Primrose, for Primrose, for the entire state or the company? I mean, yeah. I know you're heavily involved in some of their corporate initiatives. And mm-hmm. so what's, what's on tap for Primrose as an organization? Yeah, so one of the most important things, Primrose is accelerating their growth right now. You know, we're state to state, but we're opening up markets that we've never been in before. You know, the other day they signed a school in Las Vegas. You know, you don't really think of that, but they're really accelerating where they want to go. Hopefully, I think their goal, we have over 400 schools. So hopefully soon we're going to be passing 500. And within Nashville, I think there's so much growth left to do. You know, Nashville just kind of keeps pushing out. So we have a school opening in Nolansville. We have a school hopefully opening in Bellevue. You know, I'm hoping to open more schools. I definitely think there is lots more growth to be had in Nashville. I would agree. And and as people move in, I mean, you you think about the jobs that are being created in Nashville, more technology-based, certainly more, there's a lot of service-based type of employment here. And those are the people who generally have the younger kids, and and definitely I think the the need for schools is just going to continue to grow. Thinking about our listeners today, obviously most of these are going to be people who run businesses. Any piece of advice you would give them around being able to hire, train, and retain? Because that's that's something we always talk about, and and we've talked a little bit how to recruit, but how do you retain people? We've talked a little bit how you do it, but what advice would you give the general audience? How can you retain your people? Because no matter how many times we go and see customers. When we always ask, what's the thing that keeps you, that has you most concerned about your business? It's, I need to keep my people. Mm-hmm. And so what would you, what advice would you give just the general audience on that? Because you've done extremely well yeah. by retaining them. I think it's hard. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely a challenge. It continues to be our number one challenge. Since we opened, retaining our talent has been our number one challenge and our number one opportunity. I think that you have to know your people. I I don't think you can be the guy that sits in the office, you know, and doesn't see anybody and works from home and comes in once a week. I just don't think you can be that guy. I think they have to see you. They have to know you. You know, a lot of times at night, if something happens, 
I'm the one they text, you know, because they know they're going to, they're going to get an answer. They're not going to have to go through three other people. I just think you have to be that guy. They have to know that you're the expert at what you're doing. You know, I don't think I'm the expert at everything. I don't think I know how to do everything, but I know that I try my best to know our industry and our business and be knowledgeable enough that if someone comes to me and asks me a question, I can answer it. That person in your business, I think, provides steadiness to your employees. You know, they feel confident if I go to her, she's going to have an answer for me. So it's just kind of trying to be as much of an expert in your craft that you can be. And then finally, kind of as we start to uh, to wrap up, let's say I'm a, I'm a person who wants a job or maybe I want to send my, my child there. How can they get in touch with with you or really any of the Primrose locations here in Middle Tennessee? They can just go to primroseschools.com and just type in the zip code you're looking for and it'll just take you right to us. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for coming in today, yeah, thank Durham. You. Thank you as well. I want to make sure, again, that everybody has a, has a chance to kind of follow up on this. So please, if you're interested in a job or interested in a, sending your child, definitely contact Amy. We've, we've enjoyed the relationship for several years and we certainly appreciate uh, everything you've done for us. You know, with that, again, like thank our listeners for joining us for Regions Business Radio Nashville, presented by Regions Bank, member FDIC. Uh, You can enjoy our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com and selecting the Nashville studio and then click on Regions Business Radio. This program is also available on multiple platforms, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe to the program so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Uh, I'm Kelly Key. You've been listening to Regions Business Radio Nashville on Business Radio X. Regions Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.